Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode will be diving into self-publishing. I'm Russ Capasso, and joining me as always is Tim Letney. And here to help us navigate this topic is our guest, Jeffrey Morrison. He's a writer and photographer about tech and travel for CNET, Wirecutter, and the New York Times. He's also the writer of the self-published best-selling novel, Undersea, and its sequel, Undersea, Atrophia. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And where in the world are you right now? I'm currently in Gold Coast, Australia, which is just south of Brisbane on the East Coast. Nice. I was uh, I did some uh, social media stalking of you. I went to your Instagram uh, photos. <laughs> I have to say, I really like the the sphere like the sphere ones you take that are kind of like MC Escher esque. Those are those are pretty yeah. cool. So, yeah, yeah, it's with a uh, 360 camera, and, and I've been a fan of those, and I've been using them since kind of basically since they launched. Trying to see if I have one nearby, yeah. uh, and I'm one of the few tech writers who actually reviews them. So um, I, I actually have four of them at the moment. <laughs> like, and I, I try. This is obviously nothing to do with writing, but I, I, I traveled like this for a very long time, and I just have one backpack. And so trying to fit everything <laughs> in this one backpack, along with all my real camera gear and you know all this other stuff, it's uh, yeah, it's a challenge. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe give tell us a little bit about yourself and like and kind of how you got into uh, you've, you've got two self published novels right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, kind of give us a little background on on that and how you got into to going this this novel route. Sure. So um, professionally, I've been a writer for. 22 years, basically, um, just about. Um, I started in the magazine world, a magazine called Home Theater, and I worked my way up the ranks there and became editor-in-chief of a um, competing magazine uh, before I was 30. And then um, that was right around the time of the global financial crisis. So that didn't last too long. And um, where I came out of that was freelance writing. I basically as soon as the magazine went under, a number of people reached out and they're like, hey, you know, we love your writing. Can you just write for us? I was like, okay. And it, that very quickly became kind of exactly what I was really looking for was just just writing and none of the other annoyances. And so as that started taking off, I was able to have kind of, uh, I was able to kind of focus my skills in a way that I hadn't been able to before. Um, so right, and then right in there uh, was um, when I, when I was editor of the magazine, I did wasn't writing as much. So that's when I wrote the first book because I just needed, I just had. I'm sure you and your listeners know that it's like I have to write. Like that's that's the that's the thing. Like I can't just not write something. And so when I was not writing professionally and I was editing stuff and and being a boss. I wrote the first book um, and I'll, I guess I'll talk about that in a bit, in a minute. And, um, but then as I was freelancing, I wrote the sequel and that was a lot harder because then I was writing kind of all day long. And then it was, well, when do you clock out the day job and clock in the side job when <laughs> yeah. it's all in your house at the same computer? <laughs> yeah. So that was a challenge. So you went from tech reviews into fiction. Did you have a history with fiction already? Were you like writing short stories and had you had other yeah. works in progress? Um, yes, nothing on a professional front. I've kind of always been a, a writer of things and mostly for like, I'd write something and like, I'd have my friends read it and, you know, like, yay. Um, and then around 2004, 2005, maybe even earlier than that, I kind of, experimented with writing a full-length novel like i'd written shorter stuff and i wrote a full-length novel and i and it it's 
done. Um, but it's a mess. I don't, <laughs> but I've had, but I learned that kind of taught me a, I don't, I don't really have a background. I don't have a, an educational background in fiction writing. It's just something that I've, I've kind of taught myself. And part of that was just doing it. And so that first novel taught me how to write undersea. Because I could, I saw the pace, because I, I'm sure you've talked about this, but figuring out the pacing and length and how, how the, the, the grand picture of it works mm-hmm. is something you just, I feel like you just kind of have to do it and say, oh, okay, that's where that breaks and this is where this goes and so forth. I feel like it's very common, right? That writers have this first attempt or this first mm. kind of experiment in writing to yeah. kind of, which I'm kind of praying that what I'm writing now isn't mine. I hope I did that in my 20s. Uh, mine's, <laughs> mine's definitely definitely an experiment. <laughs> yeah, but I think it is. I think that is. I think that is important to to just do it. Um, through my travels, I meet a lot of people who are maybe at the like a lot of people on gap years, or a lot of people who had been doing something and they weren't pleased with it, and so they decided to go travel the world for a while and a lot of and i get a lot of that oh i'd like to be a writer mm-hmm. or oh i could i want to you know i am i'm a writer and i and i try to be very enthusiastic for those people and say oh what what have you written where can i read it you know what are you doing and far too often the response is oh well i haven't written anything yet but i i, I want to i was like well just do it like (laughs) that's really what you have to do and and what it's the discipline of it um i think is such a huge aspect um kind of a tangent but like that to me like how do you write a novel it's like well it's the persistence of it more than anything else it's it's getting from from word one to the last word uh because it's just a lot of time it's a lot of time in front of a keyboard i don't think people understand it's not easy. It's yeah. really hard and it takes yeah. a shit ton of time. Yeah. And I think there's this people see the end products so like, oh, you wrote a book. You just sat down and did it. They don't see the failed attempts <laughs> right. or like the writer's block or just totally screwing up plots and pacing. You know, or my other professional life, far too often I come across people who who aren't writers who think writing is like, you know, oh, well, I can write an email. So I could write a book or I could write a review. You know, it's like... There's such a different level of commitment and um, and and focus required. Forget it, even beyond the skill of it, that uh, people who haven't tried it certainly, yeah, I don't think they quite realize of like this is months, if not years, of your life just to finish it the first time. Not to mention drafts and edits and you know everything else, which. Certainly, we'll talk about when I talk about my third book and how long I'm working on that. But but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. So, so you so you you said you didn't go through any like formal like fiction writing training like that. Was there for your first book and even now? I guess is there any any like books about writing you've picked up to like kind of learn that structure and like the pacing and stuff like that, like Save the Cat or something like. Oh, and like I mean, I I, I don't want to say that I didn't. Have, I mean, I had a couple classes in college, but I don't feel like those. I don't feel like I learned anything. I don't see a direct connection between that and the writing the actual books, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm smiling because uh, I took creative writing classes and it was just like, I don't know. It was, they were a yeah. joke. Like I was happy to take them, but they were very supportive, like too supportive. I learned nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was neat to have for me, especially the last one that I did and I guess it was my senior year. 
um, or I took, two, I think it was two. And one of them was very, was great. Cause it was like a place that I could read stuff that I'd written to get feedback. And that was cool. And then there was another one where there was just people in the class who were just so, because it was senior year, so arrogant about what they had done. And so, and it was just, there was that other side of it. I was like, wow, I'm going to be dealing with people with you my entire life. You're terrible, <laughs> but you think you're awesome. I can't handle that. I'm bad with that. Um, but to answer, to answer your book question, um, I know uh, it's an obvious one, but Stephen King's on writing is super handy. Yeah, we've um, referenced that it, a few times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think above, above all else, just just because, I mean, obviously you talk about prolific. I mean, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, and he talks a lot about just the, um, like we were just talking about, he talks a lot about the, uh, the mundane aspects of it where you just got to do it. Yeah. Um, there's a story, and, I, and now that I'm on the spot, and forgive me, it's almost midnight, but uh, I can't remember who the writer was, but there was a story. He was one of those famous drunk writers of the 20th century. And the story goes is that his wife would wake him up at 6 a.m., still hungover, and he would swing at her and just swear at her and just like make life miserable. And she would lock him in his, his office that had nothing in it except for a typewriter. And she would wait until eventually she heard him start typing and then she would bring him coffee and breakfast and so forth. And then around <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon, she'd bring him lunch. He would have written something, you know, and then he'd get drunk until he'd pass out. But he did that. And they're like, but he got books done. It's like, he got it done. Like, <laughs> he got it worked. done. That was the process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he had a little help. He had someone literally locking him in a room to do it, but he, you know, he got there. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. that's what you need if you don't yeah. have the discipline to do it. You know, I met a, I met a self-published writer who you know, um, had a number of kids and that blew my mind that she was able to do so many of these books. And she's like, I get up really early. And I have an hour to myself before the kids get up. And I, that's my hour to write. So I just get it done. And then the kids are up. And then I got to put them blah, 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 blah. And it's well, like, help it me with is... the King book was just the, you said that the just doing it, right? The don't yeah. go back and edit. You know, don't be scared about it. Just go from start, go all the way to the finish and then go back. Yeah. And at least you've got something that you can hone yeah. and craft after the fact. And that's what the trap yeah. I fell into in my 20s where. I would write 20 pages. I would edit 20 pages. I never finished. Right. So yeah. that, that King book was so helpful in that regard. Yeah. And that, and that was like when I, that, that first book that I, uh, that I'm not going to ever publish, that was what I was learning there as well was how do I, how do I do this? And uh, some, and for the sections of it, that's what I would do. It's like, okay, well, I wrote those three pages yesterday. Let me go back and fix those. And, and then all of a sudden you've spent two hours fixing something. You haven't made any actual progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, now, nowadays it's just, I do, I bang it out. And the, the rule I had for undersea, um, and again, because this, I wasn't writing full time was 1500 words a day, you know, and that's, yeah. I see now that that's actually a pretty heavy lift. So that's, that's pretty big. I couldn't do that these days. Mm. Um, so for this, for my current book, <laughs> 500 words a day, <laughs> which was is obviously a very low bar, you know, <laughs> and, and if someone hasn't written a book before, I mean, we're talking, that's basically two pages. Like that's yeah. not a lot, but it was enough where I didn't feel overwhelmed starting it that, you know, whatever time I was able to do it that day, I could feel accomplished. And as Hemingway said, leave something in the tank for the next day. And then I was still slowly making progress to those hundred thousand words. When you start, Jeff, do you 
uh, if, and this is kind of a how the sausage is made. And if you don't want to answer, yeah, don't yeah. feel obliged. No, to. I like these questions. But I know exactly you where you're going with this. Work on the, the, the beats or do you have like a, a solid outline and do you go through all your beats or do you just kind of let it roll and then maybe craft it after the fact? So with Undersea and Undersea Atrophia, I was definitely seat of the pants and then I would go back and fix stuff. Mm -hmm. But not, it wasn't entirely that like, I see now that the, it's, it'd be a lot easier if I was more of a planner. But when I say seat of the pants, I have a lot of this just kind of in RAM. I don't start writing if I don't know the ending. I don't start it without, I, I need to know the, the, the arc of it, the characters. Like I keep all of that in RAM. I don't, so I don't really call myself a plotter because I don't. Your own RAM, like your head? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't, so I don't call myself a plotter in so much as I don't know what each chapter is going to be about before I get in there. Mm -hmm. But I know what the pieces of it are going to be and that arc. And I like, and I, I feel is healthy that there's occasionally surprises where a character, I get to a point where, like, oh, that character would actually do this. That's, oh, that's wild. Okay. Yep. Um, and I, and I also kind of like being in that zone and just having it happen. It's like I'm watching a movie. All of that's kind of important to me. And when I've tried to plot stuff out with uh, a more detail, I start getting really bored and I can't quite get to the point where I want to write it. Mm. <laughs> so, so for me, it's more like I have to do it that way. Otherwise, it's just not going to get done. I, I've talked to other in indie writers who are the exact opposite. They're like, no, I need to plan it all out ahead of time. And that's how it works. And, and some of them are significantly more prolific than I am. So maybe that is, and I'm not, there's no right or wrong answer, obviously, but, um, but it is like we've been saying, it's figuring out what your process is, is mm -hmm. important. Um, and not feeling like, oh, this isn't the right way to do it. I think if the end product works, how you got there is not quite as important as, as what it is. Uh, you mentioned the tank, um, you know, you still have a little left in your tank. Yeah. Maybe to go on and write the next day. It got me thinking about well, the travel writing and the traveling you do, right? I think so much of writing is filling your tank. You know, sometimes you're on empty. Yeah. It seems like your travel must give you a lot, you know, of fodder, like a lot of things to to put on the page. Uh, do they work so in that kind of symbiosis? Like you're um, traveling uh, and you're writing or do they, you know, maybe? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's almost like you're teeing me up for a question I figured we'd get to later. So my third book is is not related to the first two, much to the chagrin of several people I know. Um, and it is sci-fi, but many of the locations and even a few of the people in it are based on places I've been and people I've met. Mm. And it's, it's twisted, obviously, into a sci-fi way. Um, so, like, I'm in a, you know, I describe something that's very much like Hong Kong, but it's a space station, you know? So it's, 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 it has the aesthetics of Hong Kong, not explicitly. I'm not going, I'm not being like, and this is Hong Kong, but it's in space, you know, <laughs> obviously not. Uh, but, um, but like there's, 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 it's influenced by for sure. And I think that's part of why I wrote that book was to talk about some of the experiences that I've had that don't quite fit into a, a standard nonfiction narrative or article or whatever. That's great. And, and to be able to pull on that experience of standing in the space of you standing in Hong Kong, as opposed to what I would have yeah. to do, which was look at a picture. 
<laughs> like imagine it. So, it's, yeah, Google it's Earth. The, yeah, it's, I mean, which does help, but it's the sights and the, it's the sounds and the smells, you know, yeah. the feel of it. Um, I mean, part of like at one point the character is standing in one place and the people are just flowing around him. And that's just, uh, you get that, you get, you feel that when you're in some of these places where it's just this sea of humanity going about their lives. And I'm just this viewer interloper, whatever you want to call it in their space, trying to not be in the way, <laughs> but probably still being in the way anyway. And also just because of places that I've traveled, you know, I mean, no one can fit in everywhere, but I stand out in most places. So uh, it is being that other in a mm -hmm. places, um, which is, I, I love that feeling. And I, and I think that helps my writing as well, just constantly feeling like an observer and an outsider in places that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And I think why some people don't like traveling, but for me, I, I love it and I thrive on it. It's just a piece of the puzzle, I guess. I want to go back into like the self-publishing side of things, maybe a little nitty gritty yeah. stuff, mm -hmm. but um, sure. so yeah, what, what made you decide to self-publish versus querying? And did you consider querying at all or was it just self-published was the path? Um, so it was more of the time that it all happened, at least at first. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll answer your question with a longer answer than you might have expected. So when when I first published Undersea, that was right kind of during that financial crisis. And at the time, I, I, I did reach out a few to a few places. And of the, like, not that I got responses that often, but at the times that I did, the general gist of it was no one was taking on new clients. It was that everyone is terrified mm -hmm. for their jobs. Companies are closing left and right. I mean, it was a terrifying time, as I'm sure you guys remember. So no one was going to take a risk on someone who had never written before or anyone knew. And so it was like, well, I could wait this out or I could just do it myself. And I had access to a, a, you know, a creative art team through my magazine. Mm. Um, I found a, a cover artist. I mean, I searched for and then found a cover artist. Um, I had a copy editor uh, that I could pay. And so I had all these pieces. Basically, the only thing I was missing, and this is the only thing you really miss, I think, self-publishing, is like I had no um, publicity aspect of it. But at the time, I wasn't really thinking that far in advance. I was really just like, I'd like to put this out and see what happens. So, and, so that's basically what I did. And, and it was great because through my tech contracts, um, I was able to... So at this time, I started writing for CNET at the time, and they let me put the, at the end of all my articles a little blurb. Oh, he's written, he's written a book like here. That has been a very steady source of of sales for me. And then kind of through other people, um, I was part of the first story bundle, and, which put obviously was a, was a huge success. And it kind of, I think we all got sales separate from story bundle for some reason as well. That was kind of the first time I hit one of the bestseller lists. And it did well enough that a publisher actually reached out to me and said, hey, we'd like to publish your book for real. And so that was, so then I was uh, picked up by them. They did a whole nother edit and a little tweaks on the cover and so forth. And then they republished it. And then that showed up through them. They were able to this and this, this is the public, the, the publicity part. They were able to do a thing where if you liked certain books 
and you had a Kindle that had the advertising on it, my mm. book would show up on the tough on like when you turned on your Kindle. It's nice. Bam, <laughs> bestseller list again. You know, like okay, <laughs> yeah. sweet, I'll take that. Um, then there was there was another time where it was a similar thing where it was just like they were advertising through something and, and Amazon was experimenting using the, my publisher as like part of the experiment. And so boom, more sales for that. Um, that did great up until about a month before I was set to publish the sequel when the company uh, just folded mm. within. It was basically like Monday, huh? Something's not right. Tuesday, everybody's fired. Oof. But, but I, all the rights reverted back to me. I ha- everything was basically done at that point. So I was like, okay, well, I have all the files. So I just spent weeks kind of redoing everything and then publishing it republishing the first book myself and then publishing the second book myself. And then I haven't really sought out any um, representation or publisher since then. Uh, I've thought about it with the new book and maybe I will. Um, but also I like, I really enjoy doing a lot of this stuff myself and having the control, uh, especially for the cover artist, but, but just kind of the control of having the, you know, doing these things myself and the time of it, like if I want to, I could put the book out this year. Whereas if I'm dealing with a publisher, it's going to take way longer than that year, 18 yeah. months, maybe as this stuff starts churning its way through. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's certainly pros and cons. And then again, that is that it is the publicity aspect. That is the marketing aspect. That is by far the thing you lose. Um, and if you don't know how to do that yourself and don't want to put the effort in it yourself, uh, that's that's the biggest part. There's lots of books out there. So how do you differentiate and how do you find that audience? So what was that like then? Did you run like BookBub or Amazon or Facebook ads and stuff like that? Like, did you have like a different launch place? Kind of two for two separate questions, but like different launch plan compared to the first book and the second book. Like, was there anything behind that that you did? Or did you wait to get the book completely done and say, okay, now I'm going to go ahead and do all this other marketing and promotion? Yeah. And I don't know if that's the right way to do it. I think... Uh, a better approach would probably be to just be thinking about that or, or get a plan and process um, as you're in the, the end stages, because that is, if you want your book read, you're going to have to get it in front of eyeballs. It's, it's pretty unlikely. You're just going to have it magically show up places. Uh, so for me, I mean, it was more at the time, it was just the, just the, the brutality of losing the publisher and then having to do it all myself is really just kind of, I want to get this thing out there. Yeah. And if, and also because it was a sequel, I wasn't expecting much because your audience for the sequel is just the people who liked the first book. Hmm. So you go from like the world for the first book to <laughs> only the people who've read your second your first book. Yeah. So I I never really expected it to be, you know, I, I wanted to finish the story. I still do. There's gonna be another book. Um but it was like, it's just for those people who liked that, that book. And I've had enough people reach out to me. Um, and it's always wonderful when people do that are curious. They're like, Oh, I hope there's a sequel. I hope there's another one and so forth. So it's really just writing it for the fans at that point. And that's fine. I have nothing wrong with that. I just didn't. So I, so I experimented with some Facebook advertising and that went nowhere. I experimented with some Amazon numbers and I could, I, it was always a losing proposition. You know, if I put in 500 bucks, I might make a hundred dollars worth of sales. Mm. That is not scalable. Um, 
and around the time where I w- was better off, like, okay, maybe I can focus and figure out how these numbers work. Um, I just kind of got bored with it. And <laughs> I hate to say it, but it was like, I'm not going to make a million dollars off this book. So, and I don't need it to support me. It's like, it's there if people want to read it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I made enough money off the first book that it, it was, you know, the ego aspect is certainly that's done. Okay. The, you know, more people read it and, and liked it than I ever thought they would. So uh, what more else is there on this, on, on this piece? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, and I, I, I know there has to be a way to do it. And I've, I've certainly spoken to a few authors who, you know, it does work for them that they can, okay, if I put in a thousand, they'll make 1100. So it, it can, they can scale it. But it's a tough, that's a tough proposition. And it, it certainly takes a dedication and a skill set that might not be one that the average writer has. Did you only uh, publish through like Amazon's KDP or using like uh, Ingram Spark or any other service to get out to like other locations? I saw you're also listed on like Barnes and Noble or something as well for the first Yeah, book. I was. Um, so with, uh, with under, when, I, when I first published Undersea, I went, I, ca- I tried to cast the widest net. And so I did Amazon, I did Barnes and Noble, I did, um, um, can't remember the name of it. So a bunch of the different, different platforms to try to get out there. And so then when I republished them, you know, after my publisher went away, I kind of took stock of like, where did my, where was I making my money? Cause that was one good, another good thing about my publishers that they would show, they, they would send me reports of like, this is how much you made on Amazon. This is how much you made on Barnes and Noble and so forth. And it got down to like, 80% of my sales were on Amazon, 10% were Barnes and Noble, and then 10% were everything else. Oh, yeah. And so looking at my own labor and time, where was it? Where's the, where's the, what's the most worthwhile thing for me to do? And so I just like, I'm just going to put it on Amazon. And if people don't want to support Amazon, that's fine. But this is where it's going to be. It's kind of interesting. This is going to be an interesting question now because you've, you started out with your first book as actually getting going through a publisher and then having to republish self-publish and then the second book you've done all self-published was there what was like the biggest kind of obstacle i guess you faced like maybe that first time and then maybe the versus like the second time um or, or things get easier for you the second time around the thing the thing that was certainly a learning curve was trying to get all the formatting to work and i think this might be from i mean it needs to be done anyway but also for me coming from a magazine background like having the layout correct was super important to me. Like this needs to look like a book. Yeah. And at the time, and I'm going to be really curious, I hope it's gotten better since the last time I did it. But at the time, like the way that the ways to do that were all incredibly archaic, really just uh, difficult to use. And so, you, you know, you go through, you've, you've written it and you think you're done. You think it's for, okay, this is how it's going to look. And then basically Amazon is like, no, that's, you fool! That's not how this looks. We're putting ampersands here. Yeah. yeah, like you need to do this, and it needs to be broken up. I'm like, oh my god! And so then you're doing hours of find and replace for spacing and, and piece in tab and all these things, uh, only to find out you missed something, and then it's just a wall of text for fifty pages or something. So, yeah. um, so that was that was like that's certainly the most time. And then after you do all of that to then also want to put it in an actual analog form and formatting it for an actual book is a whole, you now you got to do it all over again in a completely different way. Yeah. So, 
I'm not looking forward to. I, I honestly like. I'm at the point where I would be willing to just pay someone else to do it. Well, I think they. <laughs> I think it is easier now. I think there are. I don't know if you're on a Mac or PC, but there's a programs called Vellum and Atticus. I think that are like okay. pretty good. That's that's great. Well, that's good to know because that was something <laughs> I was worried about. <laughs> I feel like people are more interested or perhaps willing to call out typos in a self-published book because mm-hmm. they're either consciously looking for them, subconsciously looking for them, or gleefully fl- finding them. We're like, ha ha, I gotcha. caught this. They said they said two and they meant two. Ha, you suck. Um, yeah. I could do this better because I want to be a writer, you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so that that that's just going to happen. Like I I've found typos in every book I've ever read. Like that's yeah. it's a hundred thousand words. Uh, one of my favorite authors is Neil Stephenson. He I mean, his stuff's you know a thousand pages long sometimes. Like you're gonna find a typo. It's just it, it's gonna happen. Um, related to that, just the self-publishing versus the published stuff. Um, and I don't. I, I, I this is not a scientific uh, result. Only tests that I've done, but. So I have my book, actually, I can't even remember what it is now. I think it's at $2.99. It was at $4.99 for a while, which for obviously for a self-published book is, is reasonably high. Um, for as an experiment, I dropped the price to $0.99 cents for a couple months. And sure enough, the sales go up as the price drops. The reviews went down. Hmm. And then I put the price huh. back up and the reviews went up again. And I, I and that's fascinating to me. And, and I, I've been tr- I've tried to figure out why that might be, and it could be a fluke, but it was consistent. And I almost think it's like when you sell something for cheap or give it away for free, people are going to think that's the value. Yes, but if you charge yep. something that's a higher price, they're going to think that that's the value. Yep. And I yep. feel like I can get away with a slightly higher price because, like, all right, here's my bona fides. You know, I write for the Times, I write for the Wall Street Journal. I've done this, blah 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 blah. So my book's going to be three bucks. It's going to be five bucks, whatever it is. Or just do it and see what happens. Like maybe even if you don't have that background, he's like, no, I spent a year of my life on this thing. I spent three years of my life on this thing. (laughs) It's five bucks. And if you don't get, you know, I don't know, five bucks is such a deal to me, like for a book that you're going to read for days or weeks. So uh, I don't know. That's just a side thing of like, don't. Don't don't go cheap on these things because there might be this unknown cost, especially since so many of these cheap and free ebooks are terrible because these people are just they don't even get proof freedom. They're just here. I wrote 30,000 words and now you have a book, a book. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if the air quotes translate to podcast. <laughs> I was doing air quotes on the book on that book one right there because 30,000 words. I don't know. I'd call that a book. That's like a novella to me, but whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, and this kind of leads into, I don't know at this point if it's a question or not, but like thinking about this and we, we talked to MD about this as well is just this, uh, if it's, is there still a stigma attached to self-publishing because of, of that, you know, and people will yeah. see like oh, self-published 499 or 99 cents or 99 or whatever. They've got all of a sudden like out of the gate, these opinions about whether the quality is going to be there. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that is absolutely the case. And I think yeah. it always will be for, a certain type of person. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it's just cause I'm at the point of my career or my, I'm at my, at the certain age, but I don't wait. Can we swear on your podcast? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Then, <laughs> I don't know. Fuck those people. I guess you know, like, if you don't, if you don't want to read a self-published book, don't, 
I don't yeah. care. Don't read yeah. my book. I, I really don't care. It is. I do not have the ego for that. I don't care. I don't care if you read. I don't care if you read my other stuff either. Um, there was a. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't agree with his politics. But this guy wrote this book a long time ago. That was a. That was a compilation of all the letters to the editor that he got, and. I would typically politically be on the side of the people who wrote the letters, but that's beside the point. But the name <laughs> of the but the, the name of the book stuck with me, especially through my magazine years, which was "Cancel Your Own Goddamn Subscription." <laughs> and I loved that so much because we I would get emails at the magazine all the time, which was like, and I didn't like what you said about this thing, so I want you to cancel my subscription. I'm like. Pfft. No, you cancel it. <laughs> do it yourself. <laughs> what, what the fuck do I care? Like that's that's a you problem, my friend. That is not a me problem. And oh, by the way, we have hundreds of thousands of sub of subscribers. I don't need your money. I don't yeah. need your attitude. So that's the thing with the book stuff too. It's like if you think that a self published book can't have the quality of a published book, okay, that's your opinion, man. None of my business. Don't yeah. read my book, then I don't care. <laughs> I'm also curious to see like uh, like the the impact that has you know when you try to send out a book to like maybe like arcs or something you know advanced reviews and stuff to to somewhere like as a self published author like is there going to be like a uh, like a eh we don't we're going to pass on that because it's not coming from one of the big or or any traditionally published yeah. house you know um, well and that is that's going to be a problem and I think that's that is actually I think perfectly valid because they're they're probably already have way too many. Uh, things to read just from the publish publishing houses. Yeah, yeah. So if they're if they're going to open that up to self published with no background or no reason to do it, there's not enough hours in the day and there's not enough staff. Yeah. So you know my, the third party reviews or the the random reviews that I got on the internet, uh, obviously that blew up after Story Bundle. Um, it's just people who just wanted to read it and also happened to have a book review blog, yeah. which is great. You know, I mean, not that necessarily blogs exist anymore. Thanks, Facebook. But <laughs> those people still do. I mean, hey, maybe they do it on YouTube now. Um, so those things, there's, there is still places to get stuff reviewed like that. But then, yeah. and, I mean, again, we're all tying this back to the original thing. It's like, it's the marketing, it's the publicity aspect. That's mm -hmm. what you lose. That's absolutely what you lose. Um, and it's always going to be a struggle. We had such a great chat with Jeff, we couldn't fit it all in one episode. So stay tuned for part two in the coming weeks. But thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and think someone you know would too, let them know. If you have a topic, idea, or feedback, find us on Twitter at writer underscore syndrome or head over to writersyndrome.com for all our episodes and contact info. Till next time, keep writing. <laughs> <laughs>